Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, buddy, my ears are up here. This week on the Story Song Podcast. I hear the tale. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Story Song Podcast. I'm Dan Mackiner. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. Every episode on this show, we walk you through the wonderful world of a story song. And this week, mm-hmm. we're talking about She Loves to Hear the Music by Peter Allen. I mean, how, how have we gone this long without doing a Peter Allen song? <laughs> I mean... Agreed. If for no other reason than the uh, opportunity to talk about Liza Minnelli a lot. I, well, that's true. I mean, the fact that we've we've waited this long to do a, uh, a, sh- a song that is this closely related to Liza is pretty yeah. amazing. Does Liza not have us? We couldn't go directly to the source. We had a uh, Kevin Bacon this one. Go, <laughs> does, she, does she not have a, a story song that we could have done? I mean. Uh, she, she does. She's got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Okay. But we're going to ease our way into the Liza. Onto I the got Liza. It. This is the I Liza on ramp, if you will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, yeah. Is... You can't. You can't just jump. This is directly the Liza Minnelli yeah. gateway. Yes. Right. You can't yeah. just like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can't just jump directly, and you got to kind of like it's like um, <laughs> you know, easing yourself into a hot bath. Like you got to start <laughs> off. <laughs> can't just jump right in. You know what That's I mean? That's right. That's right. Peter, gotta take it slow. Yeah. Peter Allen is the big toe. <laughs> <laughs> of the Liza Minnelli bath, <laughs> the big toe dip of the Hold Liza on, Minnelli let's, bath. Hold uh, on, let's get his people on the phone. Uh, put that on, on the reissue of his latest album. Uh, <laughs> Peter Allen is the big toe. Story song podcast. <laughs> copyright. Uh, we copyright that. <laughs> the copyright office is like, I mean, I get you can have it. I don't really know what. <laughs> yeah, there's not a fight for that one. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this one. Some days my job is easy, says the guy at the copyright office. Uh, They're also like, why do we have so many files on this podcast? For things nobody is ever going to fight them over. They really take advantage of the fact that they just shell out the word copyright, and then I, the person who works at the copyright office, must uh, do a whole bunch of paperwork to make it official. Uh. It's really a real loophole in the Constitution that Jeez. the uh, founding fathers did not think through. Copyright but it's a living. Nobody has interest in. Yeah. That's it's a living, <laughs> he says. Michael, tell us the story of this story song. Um, so she loves to hear the music is a song about an administrative assistant, uh, at a record company who is also an obsessed music fan. Mm -hmm. Like she really loves to hear the music. Right. Um, and her love of the music, uh, acts as almost a substitute for everything else in her life. Mm hmm. Yeah. Way to, um, modernize to administrative assistant. 
by the way. Mm -hmm. That's what she Well is. done. Modern, modern girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a secretary in a small recording firm. But when it comes to music, there ain't nothing she can learn. Cause everything she lives and breathes is written on an album sleeve. And she can tell you who is hot and who will make it and who will not. Cause she loves to hear the music. She's got it. is in town she's there at every studio there ain't a pop star she don't know and sometimes they take her home but she always wakes up alone just a secretary let's start there yeah, yeah. just a secretary this place would fall apart if i wasn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> she is she's an administrative professional and yeah uh, if if she's like any of the administrative professionals that I have ever worked with, she is what's keeping that office running. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent, and we'll find out later. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, think you would not. You would be like chickens with their heads cut off if it weren't for me. Just a secretary. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll call out sick one day. You see what just a secretary I am. Oh, and I'll take my phone off the hook and you won't be able to contact me. Don't even think about contacting me at home. Oh, just mm. a secretary. I guess I could leave early today. Bye. Mm -hmm. no. Hope you know where any files are. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good luck doing anything. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Rachel has strong vibe of this place would fall apart without me. I mean her. Her. It would Her. <laughs> She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do I have to have this conversation one more time? <laughs> Maybe he meant to said she's a just secretary. She's yeah, she's a secretary she's who's fair. fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, you know, fair. <laughs> Maybe she's fair and fair. Uh, yeah. It took me way too long to realize that that recording firm. I assumed recording firm was like a an Australian way to say like an accountant's office, but no, it's like a actual like recording studio. Is it a studio? I assume, I assume more like a, a publisher. Company. Like yeah. Okay. No, that was I, my I don't know. my I, assumption. But I mean, now that you say that it's a recording firm, maybe it is like a Scrooge McDuck kind of. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I don't think there I, I don't think there is. Um, but I mean, I don't think it is that I, I, I do think, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but, but I, I think there's probably a recording studio. There's a studio at least in there, you know, I would imagine. So, yeah, because of things right. that, that happen down the line. I mean, it might be a thing where like, you know, if you go to like the offices of Capitol records, like, I don't think they're recording the actual music there. I mean, she could work for right. like a music company, whether or not there's actually like recording happening. I don't think it's particularly important to what, the story. But, but, what, but what is important is that there are musicians that come and go. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's definitely working in the music industry because she's coming into contact with a lot of musicians. Mm -hmm. That would that would be hard at a accounting firm to <laughs> right. run into a lot <laughs> right. of. Listen, we that's only, why we this, only do accounting. Yeah, like we do taxes for rock stars, and that's really, mm -hmm. really our mm -hmm. only clientele. That's it. That's right. it. We're rock and roll accountants. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're cool. And you know what? Casual <laughs> we have casual Friday and Thursday. 
<laughs> two days of casual. Right. Um, yeah, I do think <laughs> I I do think I do like the idea of you her guys. We get like, half a day on Christmas Eve, so <laughs> we're pretty rock and roll. I, mm. I I do like her the the feeling of her being like this place will fall apart without me and then the next line being there ain't nothing she can learn so that she's also saying and also plus i could do your job (laughs) i know everything about this place and everything about music so yeah i i could do your job i'm just not doing your job well this is what i was alluding to uh when i when i first looked at the lyrics here because she's just a secretary in a small recruiting firm but when it comes to music there ain't nothing she can learn so here's my question, and, and again, this I think this goes to uh, the when this song was written. Um, the just uh, she's just a secretary. Uh, why isn't she like heading up the A and R department? Yeah, if she is knows everything about music, mm-hmm. knows who's gonna be hot and who's gonna be not. <laughs> then why is she <laughs> the GD secretary? Why isn't she signing bands? Why isn't she running the place literally? Yeah, I mean, I do think it has a, has to do with the time and place that it's uh, that it's happening in, you know. I, or maybe she. Or but here's the thing, okay? Because even that, like, if she truly is like a music savant, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this song was written in 1976. I mean, the idea of like a woman executive, you know, was not unheard of. I mean, they made Hollywood movies about it, like Mr. Mom, to be like, can you believe this? <laughs> um, but it wasn't it wasn't unheard of. So maybe she's not interested in that. Maybe she doesn't want to mix business and pleasure yeah or or, or right? maybe she yeah. doesn't want it to be a job she yeah. wants to just love the music true maybe she can't see maybe she's having difficulty seeing past her like love of the music she gets so wrapped up in it that she doesn't right. she can't she sees the love of it but without the business side of it so her passion falls on just the enjoyment as opposed to signing contracts Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, th- I think that's that's perhaps is the most charitable reading. What's going on here is that basically every day they're like, "Please, yeah. do we have a name? On- do we have a name on her? Is it no? Is it no. never said her name? Okay, I thought we had said her name was Joan, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> eventually through this segment of the show, it will turn into Joan. Yeah. I was, I know, so, I know, I, was, we I know well we said Joan now. <laughs> and I was I was desperately trying to look at the lyrics real quick to see if her name is actually Joan, but I don't think she has a name. Um, Joan. Anyway, loves to hear the music. That's the well, name her name. Her name is Joan, and like every day, the 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 owners are like Joan, please, we're begging you, please, we need you, come come on the road with us, C band. She's like, nah, I'm just a secretary. Mm-hmm. I love the music, but I don't want to, you know, like I said, I don't want to turn this into a job because then it's a job. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? My life, my love, love and love. my lady is this filing system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She loves she loves the music and yeah, and she loves her her very weird filing system that no one can follow but her. That's right. That's what she, the two things that she <laughs> yeah. loves. You can't fire me cuz right. you can't find the files that way. <laughs> no one understands you- this filing system but me. You tell Bird Bacharach you can't find his contract cuz I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something surprising. It's not under B. Uh, Albert Herb, see also Backrack Bird. This makes no sense. Does to me. I know what I'm doing. Um, So when it comes to music, Conversely, she also can't take a day off because no one can understand her filing system. They can't fire her and she can't go on vacation. That's true. Right. Sort of. 
cuts both ways. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. And she knew that. Yeah. She knew that going in. But it's job um, security. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to music, there ain't nothing she can learn. Double negative. Because um, <laughs> everything she lives and breathes is written on an album sleeve. And she can tell you who is hot and who will make it and who will not. Mm-hmm. This is I the mean, story this, of a right. psychic secretary. So um, this is gonna this is gonna place this episode to the time and place when this uh, episode was recorded, more or less. But um, I have somewhat against my will uh, been watching a lot of the movie Encanto, um, <laughs> and this feels very much like a Bruno situation where she's just like, "You, you're not gonna make it." Yeah, <laughs> and, and some guy with the guitar is like. Oh man! <laughs> and they're like, "She's never wrong. She's yep. never wrong." We Sorry. don't talk about Joe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just by her note, just her telling the future is 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 she telling the future or is she setting these things in motion? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if what if somebody like some poor musician shows up and he's like, "Hi, I've got a um, twelve forty five appointment with," and she's like, "No." Nope, it's not worth it. Just, no, go home. Right. I'm going to need you to go ahead and turn around and yeah. walk out. We both know how this is going to end. You know right. what? Not Ta- with come, the come here. Come here. Take a look. Take a look at this uh, appointment book. I'm actually erasing your name yeah. from it right now. I want you to see me do that because you're not going to make it. Uh, I wield a lot of power. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you who will make it and who will not um, yeah. because I decide who will make it and who will not. Again, that's I'm that's you guys. <laughs> see, that's the thing. That's the thing. See, for for anyone who has not seen the movie on Kanto, there's a character named Bruno who can see the future. He tells people the future and then they blame him for Spoilers. the things that he said. Michael, I I mean, I, I, I feel like this movie is a thousand years old because I've seen it fifty times. Uh so for me, the idea of spoiling this movie is is ridiculous. But anyway, but everyone I'm not gonna tell you how it is, but everyone blames him for it. So I just feel like it's the same thing. Where she she just knows, you know, now when she tells someone, look, you're not going to make it, is she manifesting that? Or yeah. does she, in fact, know the future? You know what I mean? So, I feel yeah. like, but uh, yeah. But, and who, I, th- well, the question is, who is she telling to? Is she, is she just, is she just at her desk at the front being like, nope, nope, right. nope. Or is she just saying like, um... Mr. Stevens, your two o'clock is here. And also, you're going to want to go ahead and rip up that contract. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. also, here's your coffee. Um, um, Joan, uh, real quick, can we talk about this filing system? Because you have two filing cabinets. One's labeled hot and one's labeled not. And <laughs> Pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> yeah, we just, I can't. Well, if you just look at the person, you know whether or not they're hot or not. And then you can find, <laughs> you can find the paperwork are we hot? in there. We are not. We are not. Um, the 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 line before that cause everything she lives and breathes is written on an album sleeve yeah copyright dates um yeah Mm -hmm. no my my question is this is this a um i don't want to get too i don't want to get too too deep into to expanded universe is this like an angie baby situation where she is trying to manifest it like this is her life through lyrics she's saying it, are, are they saying this is her f- sort of quote unquote fantasy life that she's reading this saying, oh, this is what this is what life is, is these these lyrics, the way people are living these lives and explaining what life should be. Is it that mm. or is it 
that she's just obsessed with it and she doesn't care about anything else. She just cares about music. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I I thought it was the second one that she I did just, too. Yeah. Okay. The only thing that she cares about is okay. music. And... Well, you're both wrong, but that's <laughs> okay. fine. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's fair. I was. That's a, fair. It was an honest, honest question I had. Um, no, I mean, well, I think either interpretation is, is valid, but yeah, I think he's saying that, you know, she's just, the only thing she thinks about is music and, you know, there's, there's always, she's pouring over every liner note, wants to know every, absolutely everything about it. Um, you know, and of course I can relate, relate to that, uh, especially, uh, in my younger days. Um, but, uh. Uh, you know, and 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 it's a, uh, I will admit it's a good substitute for a personality. Sure. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't, if you don't um, have one, insert lyric here. Mm. Peter Allen hits too close to home this week on the Story Song podcast. <laughs> <laughs> L- local podcasters look in mirror, do not like what they see. <laughs> <laughs> so. She yeah, so she can tell you who's hot, uh, who will make it and who will not. Uh, cause she loves to hear the music. She's got every lyric down. She loves to hear them say she's got the greatest ears in town. Um, that is a very weird compliment. Yeah. And who's saying that? They Thank are. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the all people who own yeah. this the people who own this recording company or are the musicians That's saying? That's what that? they always say. Um, I, part of me, I always thought that it was the, uh, musicians because of the next lines Okay. that, that it's because even this, this whole, um, chorus feels to me like, again, this is why I think it's, there's some sort of recording studio in it because it says, I mean, not to jump ahead. She's there at every studio. So my thought is, I mean, it is, could be, I think, I mean, Dan, not to, not to totally disagree with you, but I think. Like the Capitol Records building, I think there are studios in that building. Oh, maybe there is. I didn't. I wasn't saying like I, you know. I know for sure. I was saying whatever. It <laughs> would be uh, if, if Capitol Records had that giant building in in L.A. And, and right, it was all offices and like, oh, where do you record? Oh, we rent a place down the street. But right, it's, but I it's mean, more than just well, recording. Might. But it's more than just recording studios. Basically, yeah. it's it's yeah. A right, right. So right. I well, mean, again, but, okay, go ahead. Oh, well, what I was gonna say is maybe it's that she spends most of her time when she should be doing, you know, administrative work. She's mm. hanging out at the studios. Well, this is why your filing system is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> or, is she, or is she following around one of these um, A&R guys? A&R? Yeah, A&R guys. And, mm. and um, uh, you know, because she has to take notes or whatever, stuff like that. Um, and oh, so yeah, she goes to true. the studios with them. So she's not stuck right, right, at a right. desk. She's she's at the mm-hmm. studio, at the studio, and it, and that's why she's, you know, maybe she's giving some feedback to the to the artists, and they're yeah. saying, you know, you've got it. The moment this happens, you sort of know where it's going to go. You're going to go far in the administrative assistant world. <laughs> Seventy six, and you're a woman. Mister um, Mom won't come out for another seven years. Right. I don't know if that's true. I've known when Mister Mom came out. But wouldn't you be impressed if I did? Or, I mean, like, she could be in the studio and, um, you know, with, with the greatest ears in town, uh, like, the band is halfway through recording the first track, and she's just like, you know what? Shut it down. Shut it all down. This is terrible. 
<laughs> well, that's They're what I was going to say. Like wh- when they say uh, she loves to say she's got the greatest ears in town. Like, what does that mean? Is she like in the studio and she's just like, you know what? Saxophone right here. And they're like, oh my God, <laughs> yes. yes, that Could would be. be perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that, is that what it is? That's or, or, or she just like, he, she hears the track and she's just like, that's a hit. You got to hit in your hands, mm-hmm. boys. And they're like, that's it. We know, it you know, or whatever. Or, yeah. yeah, maybe. Or this, um, office was built in the middle of the, um, earring and earmuff and, uh, headphones district and people mm-hmm. see her like modeling their products and they're like, you sure. should right. be an ear model. You have the greatest ears in town. Yeah. No. Yeah. And she's like, thank Everybody you knows. so much. I know so much about music. I'm like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> physical, mm-hmm. your physical ear. We like, we like your physical <laughs> <Right>. ears. Um, <laughs> the, now uh, again, is this a little bit of euphemism or double entendre because of the next lines of that? She loves to hear them say she's got the greatest ears in town. Wink, wink. Because in the next couple of lines, we find out that, you know, it's not in, just in the studio that they're they're getting to know her. I mean, I think, I I I I think I don't think it's a double entendre. I think there's a maybe a bit more there. What I'm saying is is that she is that them complimenting her like her right. like she loves musicians. The musicians yeah. compliment her, and so she gets high off of that. Right. But then I'm going to, I'm going to read the next lyrics. So not to leave the audience in suspense with the hell we're talking about. Sure. So she's going to say, uh, she's got the greatest years in town. She's there at every studio. They're in a pop star. She don't know. And sometimes they take her home, but she always wakes up alone. Um, and <laughs> so what I'm saying is she gets high off the compliments, but then there's nothing there. Right. Because right. she doesn't actually care about them. She cares about the music. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Or could you read it as sometimes they take her home, like basically everything she lives and breathes is written on the album sleeve. Um, mm-hmm. She goes home with these musicians on record. Like she goes home with the music. She doesn't necessarily go home with the actual musician. So huh? she's going home. <laughs> What? No, that just blew my mind, Michael. Oh, perfect. I love that when that happens. I, um, uh, Michael, I love that. I don't uh, think that's true. Only because, only because it says sometimes they take her home. I think if it was she took them home, then I think you'd have a case. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> one of the ways I interpreted it was that like she will go home with these musicians mm-hmm. she will mm-hmm. go home with their music and they spend all their time together but she wakes up the next morning and oh yeah she's alone the, I mean I get it and I mean I, I get, like that I do I like, like it. it a lot and that puts yeah. such a level of a little bit more sadness to it that's what I'm mm-hmm. here for thank you <laughs> but um the the kind of the reason I don't I'm not sure if it's that is only because she is so involved in the studio and in the recording. I guess though maybe it's not. Maybe she isn't. Maybe this is all um my mind is blown right now because <laughs> she's she's there at every studio. She there ain't a pop star she don't know. It 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 might Doesn't mean that the pop stars know her. No, it also doesn't mean that 
she's actually physically at the studio. She's at the studio because she's in, listening in so in depth to the music. She imagines she's at the studio. She imagines it at the studio. She imagines and she can she can feel the music so deeply that it's as if she's at the studio. So it's not like she's like she's listening to it in the background or whatever. I, I, my I don't I don't know where to go with my emotions right now. Um but but I'm loving the ride. <laughs> <laughs> um Whoa. Yeah, I don't know. Ah. I mean that's a good it's a I like the theory cuz there's actually something coming up that might support it. Yeah. I yeah, I, just, I like the idea that like there's... I mean, I guess sometimes they take her home. I mean, I guess you know, like metaphorically Right. them they on take an her album. to her home are taking well, that's what I'm saying. Like if it, if it said she takes them home, I think I, I think then that I think it would right. be perhaps more ambiguous because maybe she's physically taking them home mm-hmm. or maybe she's taking home the album that they're on. Right. Um Man. I mean it makes sense. I mean, well, cuz the other thing I was going to say was I was going to go the other direction real quick and just say she always wakes up alone. She's not physically alone, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they are there, mm. but she feels no connection to them because she doesn't want an actual person. She wants the the fantasy that's on the album. You know what I mean? No, yeah. no actual yeah, that's a possibility too. No actual human being can can ever live up to what she wants because even the coolest rock stars. You know, they still got to take like a morning pee and like they got to, you know, <laughs> right. They don't, they don't, you know what I'm saying? Like they they're still, phys- yeah, they're, they're actual people. Yeah. They don't live when up you to get it. to know them. Right. So yeah, right. she doesn't want that. Yeah. Um. See, I was seeing it as like the music is with her constantly. So they are taking her home. Like the songs right. are taking her home. The songs are with her all the time. And there's this consistent fulfillment through being surrounded by music right and when she wakes up in the morning music's not there and that's the moment the one moment of the day that she realizes that she's alone mm. Mm. that's why she needs a, that's why she needs a clock radio mm-hmm. yeah she's got to get a, somebody buy this woman a clock radio <laughs> yeah yeah so you know what's you know what's tough at the holiday grab bag for christmas somebody put mm. in a clock radio and it was specifically for joan but then they did it they changed it to a white elephant and no. somebody, yeah. took, somebody it took it from it her it was so sad, and it would have been great because it's ninety seven. You would have got the like the the one that's like a huge brick with like the the, little, the wood paneling on top. Yeah, and it'll be little, clicked the down. Little, the little yeah. clicker, the little flip clicker thing. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, it was fine. She ended up getting the fondue set, but um, yeah, it's just a little yes. less useful. But when you're now. but when you're alone, it's the uh, <laughs> she, just, she just puts on a record and, and eats a bunch of melted cheese. With a Doing bu- things with sadder. Six different forks. <laughs> than eating fondue by yourself. <laughs> Um, that's, Rob, Rob was, uh, that's a lot. Robus going back to the Robus going back to the pancake uh, conversation <laughs> from last time. Sure. The So my theory about the fact that 
you know, she takes them home and discovers that they're actual people was what I was going to lead into the next line. Michael, I think your theory, which is totally different from mine and therefore means that it's wrong. <laughs> um, but I think, but I think this next line could also feed into that. And so the, the next verse starts men that want to marry her can never satisfy the inner rhythms that she hears are all that keep her high. So Michael, I think in your theory, the men that want to marry her can never satisfy because there, there is no actual, I mean, there are men who want to marry her, but, mm-hmm. but the man that she wants doesn't exist. It only exists right. on the album. Yeah. Right. Um, and then my <laughs> point, she wants the album version, not the live version. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and back then, I mean, you know, look, sleeping with an album was tough because you roll the wrong way. You're going to break that thing. Um, oh, yeah. they're, they're fragile. So, um, but then my version was that it's just actual- tough now. Cause now you are sleeping with like an MP3. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, yeah. exist. That's that's something in the cloud. It's like a digital copy. I mean, yeah. what is that? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then my version, she is taking a man home, but they want they all want to marry her. They're all in love with her, but she's not interested in that mm-hmm. because the only thing she cares about is the music. So. Right. We're kind of in the same thing. Just with mine, she's having a lot more casual sex, which I think is <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? That's just more kicky. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, well, I was also going to say, I feel like every third song in the late 70s was about how casual sex was unfulfilling, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, like, yeah. that's a, constant, <laughs> right, right. a constant theme. That's, so that's another third reason song, why. but uh, the other two were about how it was fulfilling. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, every, and then, and then every other song was about a woman who... Uh, didn't have relationships, but had a, a very broad fantasy life. So I right, don't know where exactly. this is going, you know? Yeah. The th- and the and that's the first two. And then the third song was about the, the gas crisis. Um, mm-hmm. So right, very specific. Right. What was yeah, going every on? now and then you get a song about Detroit and like, you know, rock and roll. <laughs> sure. And like, Whatever. Sure. Um, the, the, so, so she has men wanting to marry her, mm-hmm. but she can't get like a lyric from a 1970s, album out of her head and they're just leaving her (laughs) well i think i think again i think the only thing that that excites her that turns her on is music so these men are fine for a one-night stand but she doesn't actually feel anything about them because all she cares about is like reading liner notes yeah and like figuring out who played the sitar on that one song or whatever (laughs) um i mean are they just like you know what Hello, um, I can't stop humming that one Bay City Rollers song. I can't take it. Right. How do you hum Saturday night? It's me or the Bay City Rollers. And she chooses the Bay City Rollers. She was like, hey, they're going to be the next Beatles. I was going to say, it probably seemed like a good bet at the time. (laughs) Yeah. This rocket ship's never coming down, baby. yeah. I'm putting all my money in that stock. Uh, I couldn't man. possibly marry you. I'm you know what? Uh, listening to Best New Artist winner, Starland Vocal Band. <laughs> you know what's never occurred to me? I what's said the, they're going to be hot. The Bay City Rollers, uh, they were from Scotland, right? Yes. Or something? Yeah. Yes. What What? What Bay City are they talking about? <laughs> Is there a Bay City in Scotland, I mean, I guess I, mean, I don't know. They have, do no, they have bays? I, no, my ge- I I mean, this is not our. I mean, we feel like we should save it for when we do a Bay City Roller song. Will we? Sure. Do they do a lot of story songs? But well, there was know. a song about Saturday Night. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, That's only what I, I know. It, it might so be we definitely of- have. We definitely have a time and a place. 
<laughs> but it might be one of those things where they're like heard something about like San Francisco and thought, hey, okay. Bay City, that sounds fun. Let's be the Bay sure. City Rollers. There's okay. a Bay City, Michigan. There you go. There you go. Big Michigan. That's not fans. near Scotland. No. That's no. I mean, it's a little closer than San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so relatively. That's probably it still, that, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. How do I get back on track here? Okay. So. So the Bay City Rollers. Uh, so so uh, they keep on dancing to the rock and roll uh, of Saturday night. <laughs> uh, and so they turn around and go and leave her by her and leave her by the radio. She didn't love them anyway. Not like she loves the men who play. Mm-hmm. So See, I that, think but the, that, the men that want to mm-hmm. marry her are not music people. I think it's just like right. regular people. I, I, maybe she's dating people. Maybe not. Maybe it's it's just <laughs> somebody somebody on the bus is like, "Hey, let's get married," and she's like, "No, thank you. You're not one of the men who play." Mm. <laughs> um, I'd hope it's at least people she's dating. Yeah, I mean, so, but again, I, that... I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's like she meets these musicians and they're like, "We have to get married right now." No, 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 no. I don't think that either. I, I no. think this, I mean, this could be people in the recording business. It could be people in the uh, office. Maybe she dated somebody in the office, but he's just, a, you know, in the accounting department. And right. he's a nice guy. He's got it all together, but her pull is to the music. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, musicians who are blowing through town to record an album and are having a one night stand with the secretary, usually not proposing marriage. Right. So it's probably even if even if there are physical men that she's taking home, uh, that's probably not the people who are who are who want to marry her. So these are you know whether they work at the company or they're just you know what uh, other other guys yeah um, that she dates, uh, they're in love with her, but she she's only in love with the musicians right and the music. So um, yeah, yeah. All right, great. I, I solved it. Good yeah, job. We did it. Good, good, good job, everybody. Good job, we did it. We worked it all all out. We solved uh, it. <laughs> well, he tells us again because she loves to hear the music. She's got every lyric down. She loves to hear them say she's got the greatest ears in town. Uh, she's there at every studio, the first to come, the last to go. So that's slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sometimes they take her home, but she always wakes up alone. Do you think... That whole thing about the first to come, the last to go. Is it like she's just a real go-getter? She loves her job? Or do you think she's she's one of those people who, like, in the middle of a meeting just yawns and sort of, <laughs> like, oh, what's, what are you, what's the matter? You seem so tired. Like, yeah, I, you know, I just, I had to get here so early this morning. And then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, why, why did you have stuff to do? Was there an early meeting? Like, no, I just got here early. You know, that's just me. What time did you get here? Oh, on time? I guess you get, get to do the bare minimum. That's nice, too. <laughs> Yeah. Is this a song about the world's most exhausting coworker? I think so. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Once again, Michael, I feel like uh, it started off about the song and it perhaps <laughs> <laughs> got personal. This is the first time in the song where we hear from her. So yeah, there's a female voice. Now, yeah. oh, is that supposed to be? Is that supposed to be the secretary? 
I, I would think so, unless it's one of her coworkers just reminding her that she's alone. <laughs> that would be you awful. Think it's, a, it's a thing where, like, there's, like, the spinning thing behind her, like, in an old movie. She's like, alone, <laughs> alone, alone. <laughs> and then like, a newspaper for some reason. Right. Or she's sitting at one table. Uh, she's sitting at one table during, like, lunch, and then all the other secretaries are sitting at another table, and one real catty one is just going, alone, 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 alone. <laughs> no. Am I right, Phyllis? That Joan. Nine. <laughs> nope, she loves the music. God bless. So she could have been somebody's wife, but as a child, heard Mac the Knife. And each time she took it home, fan. and every and each time she took it home, so she'll always wake up alone. So now this goes back, this goes on Michael's uh-huh. yes. side, which I had not considered. Yes. But before we get there, before we get there, I do want Rachel to weigh in on Obviously, being someone's wife is the the most important thing oh, that any sure. woman could do. Yeah, uh, and so we the the real tragedy of this song is that Joe never got married. Yeah, yes, um, yeah. That that music I, music ruined her for any for any good man who would have taken care of her. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bless her heart. <laughs> she has a fulfilling life with all she hears is music, but mm, she doesn't have some grubby dude who has to. She has to deal she with. Has... She has. What she has is um, a string of relationships with a bunch of rock stars. So right. how about that? Yeah. Well, you said how about she that has caddy secretary at the other table who's telling me I'm alone. <laughs> Joan, are you happy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's no. too bad. Yeah, but are you no. happy? Happy. <laughs> I do like of all the songs, Mac the Knife is the one mm-hmm. that turned her. I mean, it's a good song. Well, she's seven. I don't know if. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, she, it's. I figure she's in her early. Maybe she's in her like mid twenties, early mid twenties. So when did Mac the Knife come out? The Bobby Darren version was 1959. Okay. So oh, this makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's a kid. Um. Right. I mean, if we're talking Three Penny Opera. <laughs> That would be before. And, yeah. and when aren't we? Really? Yes, really. Um, but no, I. it is just interesting. I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. But of, of all the songs that are going to be like, yes, this is this is it. This is the song. Right. Well, um, I mean, not, I think... not to get me to sing or to play an instrument, but just to be obsessed with music. Mac the Knife. It could have, I mean, it fits. It fits the lyric. I mean, if it was another Bobby Darren song, it was like, as a child, she heard Splish Splash, and she was just... (laughs) Taking baths. (laughs) I mean, he's like, look, we got to find a song that rhymes with wife, because I really want to emphasize the fact (laughs) that the real tragedy of the song is that this woman lives a fulfilling life with a job she loves, uh, and she's not married. And that is a disaster uh, for this this woman. Uh, is that she has a thing that she enjoys. And look, th- um, this actually turned out well because um, if Mac the Knife was what got her into music, it could have done one of two things. It could have either gotten her into mu- music or turned her into a murderer. So, that's true. That is true. She's actually that's doing true. great. Yeah. That's only that's one of the only two ways that Kurt Vile fans go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, fans of that specific song. No, just in general. You'd be surprised. <laughs> As a child, she heard Pirate Jenny and uh, decided to be a pirate? Yeah, I guess. Or change her name to Jenny. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, we should have called I, her Jenny. 
So this. Well, what's okay. funny? You know what's funny? Oh, I was gonna say. Well, what's funny is I. You know, again, it would not have fit the lyric. Um, and I, I'm trying to decide if it's just we're not of that generation, so it's hard to for us to understand. Because to me, and look, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. Mac the Knife is a great song, but it's also kind of like weird and old and corny. Uh, from my point of view, right? Where I a, a song like Splish Splash, which also is similarly weird and corny, but you know, was like one of the first rock and roll songs. So I could see like that blowing your mind in 1950, whatever, right? <laughs> Mac the Night feels more like an old timey, like you know, but I, I well, yeah, sung by like a ring a ding ding, you know, old timey big band song. But you know what's me. funny about Mac the Knife and what a weird. Uh, a weird twist we've taken but yeah this yeah. is not the Mac- conversation i thought we were going to have but here but, we are mm-hmm. believe it or not mac the knife was so popular and it was recorded by like a bunch of people one right after the other wasn't it i maybe i don't know Ella Fitzgerald did it and there were like a couple of others that did it um okay i mean it is a big song that people people do mac the knife is like it's not it, it was one of those songs that people kept on wanting to put their own spin on so maybe she heard Bobby Darren, but then maybe she also heard other versions of it and saw what what music could be, because the Ella Fitzgerald version is very different than the Bobby Darren version. So maybe she's just the just the idea that music could be something different, even if it's the same song. Maybe that excited mm. her. And it could also be, I mean, just thinking in terms of 1959 in music, Mac the Knife is probably different from everything else that was out there it was a little bit it was originally a show tune it was a little bit jazzy it was a little bit rock and roll it was and the lyrics are just weird because it's translated from german yeah Um, and you know adapted from the lyrics that are in the show so it's it's probably different from anything that was around at the time so that for the purposes of this song would be a good choice to be something that was like, uh, she just never heard anything like this before, and then she was instantly hooked. It just fit the lyric. <laughs> One of the two. I mean, it was also, but it was also a huge song of that year. Mm-hmm. It was a huge song, and I, and yeah, I yeah. like that song a lot. It just, it, uh, again, we can move on after this, but I, it's, it, it doesn't, that song to me feels like it's on the precipice of rock and roll, but I feel like it's on mm-hmm. the other side. It, that song doesn't feel like rock and roll to me. But that's that's just me. I could also be wrong. It feels it feels more big band. I'm also reading the McKnife Wikipedia page. I didn't know any of this. I had no idea it was <laughs> called Dear Moritant von Mackie Messer. Um translated from the German. I, this is this is all news to me. I had What's absolutely no idea. Opera? I had no idea. I mean, uh, f- uh, for all I knew, it was from the Four Penny Opera. I mean, I had I had absolutely no. That would be the Shilling Opera. I'm pretty I had sure, no right? clue yeah. about any of this. So no, yeah. I didn't. I um, didn't know. That that's not mm-hmm. true. Yeah, Maybe exactly. it's true. I don't know. You know what? What else came out in 1959 in music is El Paso, and that would have tied this very nicely together for us, um, in terms of the story song universe, but. Peter Allen was not thinking ahead to this show. So so uh, she heard Mac the Knife, but each time she took it home, so she'll always wake up alone. So I think this goes maybe to Michael's theory yeah. that the men she's taking home are, in fact, men that are on wax cylinders mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, wax cylinders. Discs. Um, yeah, wax cylinders. <laughs> she's uh, very I don't know, old. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know why I thought you were for Thomas Edison for a second there. <laughs> she loves oh, to hear the darling. music. She loves yeah. to hear the music when she um like has to like crank up the Victrola. Sure. Um, you know, Absolutely. plays one song at a time. It's very tinny. All right, all right. So, so what you're saying, Dan, is that she's not bringing home Aerosmith. She's bringing home the album Toys in the Attic. And instead. sure, <laughs> um, but she loves to hear the music. She got every lyric down. She loves to hear them say she's got the greatest ears in town. Don't you know that she loves to hear the music? Oh, she loves to hear the music. Um, and now this side, this is where I have a question for you, Michael. Yes. Um, yeah, he says, boys, won't you put another nickel in, in the Nickelodeon? Um, which I, I like the wordplay, but what uh, was, was he talking about? Um, I mean, I, go ahead. Okay. No, I know what a Nickelodeon oh. is. Do Nickelodeons play music? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole song. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, that is a direct, line. <laughs> that line is yeah. lifted directly from, uh, the song music, music, music. It's a 1950 song by Teresa Brewer. It's a bit um, on the nose for me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Put another nickel uh, in the Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. There you go. Say, so I, I don't know any of this. So it's, this. It, it's a direct lift. Um, I mean, my, I'm still, I'm still in, in the Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's on my playlist okay. right now. I, I'm, I feel like you're joking, but it is definitely on. I, I have that song. On pretty heavy rotation. Raise your hand if you're not surprised by that. <laughs> it's all a hands great up. Song. All hands up, everyone. <laughs> At home too. <laughs> music, music. It's a great song. Anyway, this is a this um, is an outro, right? We'd call this an outro. Yeah. Well, it's the end of the song. Yeah. But it's completely it the opposite. So of the let intro. me ask. It's completely so are different we to, than the song? Are we to assume? Yeah. Hold on. Are we to assume? That she is humming, because if this is a pre-existing song, which I did not know, that she's like humming this song to herself, is that, that she's just like, she's so in the music that all she ever thinks about is music and this is the song that she's singing? I think, I don't know if it's that. I think, I think it's just a reference to the song. Mm -hmm. I think, um, the fact that the song that it's referencing is called Music, 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 uh, is sort of, um... Yeah. Kind of a nod to the fact that that's all she thinks about is music, yeah. music, music. Right. Also, I uh, Love Rock enough. and Roll isn't out yet, so Nickelodeon is the best he could do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no jukebox. Um, all right. Well, but the inflation between music, music, music and I Love Rock and Roll. Ah, uh, terrible. From a nickel Does to anyone a to, oh, to a dime? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, does anyone have anyone, anything else to say about this song before I move on to the next thing? Going once, going I twice, like sold <laughs> for the boys, the boy from Oz version, which is, Michael, I just want to ask you one question. Yes. So this is, so this is from a musical, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. The okay. boy from Oz is a, um, mm-hmm. like a jukebox musical of Peter Allen's music, but it's telling his life story. Same song, but from, from the first person. It says, I've been listening quietly, uh, I I love to hear the music. I've got every lyric down. Here's my question. Yes. In the context of the musical, is Peter Allen singing this or is a female person oh. singing this song? In the context of the musical, yes. 
the character yeah. who sings it is Liza Minnelli. Yay! Oh, Liza! Okay. Stephanie Block, right? Yeah. Stephanie Block sings amazing. it as Liza Minnelli, and it's mm-hmm. the best. All right. And it's a little um, bit outside of the context of... Um, of of like the Peter Allen story, it's almost done in in kind of a performative way where mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's supposed to be like Eliza with a Z kind of live show yeah. situation as gotcha. opposed to like pushing the narrative of the show. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um so that's that and then Cher also did this song. Yes. Cher recorded uh, it in 1977 for her album Cherished which is okay. a great album title. Oh, okay. Um, ever, just once, Michael? Yes. When you talk about, when you're like, oh, this album from, from Cher or whatever, just once I'd love you here to say, eh, it's a real B minus. Um, <laughs> I mean, if any your- album like that existed, I would. <laughs> I'm but just saying. I'm they're just all saying. A++++. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Cher so, can do, do you- no wrong. We all know that, right? So she has some alternate lyrics here. Why don't you run through these? Um, sure. Just kind of, well, just, so is this, is this is at the end. It says the years will not be kind to her. Her, her world is for the young. The bands that played so tightly knit will soon become unstrung. Yes. She'll, she'll be just another face out of town, out of place. When the songs revive again, she'll come to life and tell them when she loves to hear the music, blah, 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 blah. So, oh no, I'm sorry. There's actually more. Yeah. Uh, she loves to hear the music. She has every lyrics down. She had every she lyric to hear, down. So she had every lyric down. She loves to hear times. them say, uh, she's the greatest in town. She could have been somebody's wife. Music men destroyed her life. Yikes. Each night she took one home, but they always, but she always woke up alone. So, okay. So Cher hits it a little bit more on the head. Yes. That she's, that she just was like, uh, kind of like, I don't want to say a groupie, but. She had a string of relationships with with the musicians, musicians that never worked out, but it was there was not an album. It was them. Yes, taking her home. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. share version is um, less open to interpretation than the Peter Allen version. It's yeah. very um, like nineteen seventies story song type share. You know, yeah. like right. it's very dark lady. Uh, so there's there is a definite story here. Um, and it's actually really sad. Um, you know, the music been destroying her life. Uh, so there is definitely a point of view in this version of the song. Yeah. And the idea that you can't live that life forever. Mm-hmm. For forever. That, I mean, yeah. I, the, the, the thing about the music man destroyed her life. I mean, I, I'm hearing this kind of for the first time. So, um, you know, take what I'm saying with the greatest song, but I feel like that, to me, that feels a bit much, but I really like the part about her world is for the young. Yeah. Right? Because you it's can't- It's a really interesting- You can't line. live that life forever. Sure. Right? And the, fact mean, that, and the fact that even the bands that she was so in love with, most bands don't last, don't, don't stay together for forever. So even right. if she lived that life and she had that fantasy, at some point it's going to unravel. Right, and at some point the music will pass her by, right? Like right. whatever era she's in, yeah. Ten years later, it'll be 
something else that she doesn't like as much possibly right yeah. or she just doesn't understand as much and she's not as aware as of like the top 40 the 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 current trends or something sure it's it's the stuff yeah. that in her younger days she she paid more attention to and was more in tune to yeah. right yeah yeah well it's and it's the you know the golden age of anything was when you were 13 or in this case probably 23 or whatever but right. at some point you know it does pass you by so but I, I'm going to disagree with Cher. I think she's going to be fine. I think <laughs> no, but what's interesting is um, I love the line, she'll be just another face out of town and out of place. That's a great line. Um, mm-hmm. But the line after that, when the songs revive again, she'll come to life and tell them when she loved to hear the music. Um, right. There's this acknowledgement of, and this is another Peter Allen song, he wrote a song called everything old is new again. And there is, it's an acknowledgement um, of like the cyclical nature of music. Right. So it's, she, that, that was for her younger self when she loved to hear the music, but you know, someday in the future, this music is coming back and she'll be back with it. Okay, real quick story. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Something similar to this happened to me the other day. I was around um, uh, a group of middle schoolers, and they asked if they, one of them asked if they could listen to music. And I said, yeah, go ahead. And they started singing the song. It's called Do, I, I think it's called Do in Time by Sublime. Summertime yeah. and the living is easy. And I turned and I said, are you listening to a Sublime song? And they said, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's weird, but okay. And then, and then I went back, and they kept on singing. And I turned around, and I said, you are totally singing a Sublime song. And I started singing the song, and they're like, no, this is a Lana Del Rey song. And I almost passed out. And Lana Del Rey did a cover of it, and I had to explain to them, no, 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 no. This is a song by an, a band called Sublime. And I sang the entire song, and they were floored. So what I'm saying is I can relate to the shared version of this song. Because then I said, I love to hear the music I have ever heard down. <laughs> What's funny about that is you heard that and you said, are you listening to a Sublime song? Had I heard that, I would have thought, are you listening to a Gershwin song? Yes, I will say I, there was a moment where I was going to turn to them and say, uh, are you big fans of the musical Porgy and Bess? But I didn't. And they were like, mm, we're more Three Penny Opera guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh... yeah. <laughs> Let's do Expanded Universe. Expanded Universe. I feel like this is definitely uh, Angie Baby when she grows up. We gotta talk. We gotta talk Angie yeah. Baby. Is it right? when she's is it when she's older? I think so, yeah. Because Angie it Baby j- is Angie in Baby like, adjacent? Well, there's a line in the song, um uh <laughs> So they turn around and go and leave her by her radio. Maybe they're like backing away, like, "Oh, you you got someone trapped in there." I was I was gonna say, here 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 was here's what I was afraid of, is that if this is in fact Angie Baby. Uh-huh. Now, for the audience at home, we did a song in our first run, uh, by Helen Reddy called Angie Baby. Still my favorite episode ever. Um, just for the the sheer delight that we took, uh, in the twists and turns of that song. Um. <laughs> But through means that are not fully explained in the song, Angie Baby somehow uh, 
takes takes a a man who tried to assault her and traps him inside of her radio again right. through means and a, a format we do not understand was he physically <laughs> trapped in there is we'll soul trapped in there not clear but here's what i'm concerned about it if, if this is angie baby and with that line is the reason she's waking up alone is she's continuing to trap men in radio <laughs> <laughs> and i am very concerned yes <laughs> she always wakes yes. up alone when she traps people in the radio yeah. Um, yeah. The funny thing about that is I heard an old broadcast of um the the top forty from whenever Angie Baby came out sure. sometime in the seventies sure, sure, with Casey sure. Kasem. And he introduced the song by saying, and now a song about a girl who traps people in the radio. Here's Angie Baby. And I was like, that is so <laughs> matter of fact. <laughs> Like, you know, someone who just traps people on the radio. That's something that people right. do. Yeah. yeah, you can't just so, drop yeah. that on the audience and walk away. <laughs> I mean, it's... I mean, you gotta get into the backstory of that or right. just play the song. Right. I mean, it's, it's the third song about that this year. I mean, it's a real... Yeah. That, that's all anyone's <laughs> talking about. It's trapping people in radios. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I do I do think this is probably Angie Baby. Yeah. I, I, I am concerned about what's happening to these men that she's taking home. Um. I mean, that's the thing. If she decides they're not... If you know they're not hot, uh, then she's like, "Well, no one's gonna miss them." If I, if I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, she knows who will make it and who will not, and who will make it into the radio. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and who will not uh, make it out of the radio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's got like fifty of them in there. Um, <laughs> it's getting crowded. All right, what else have we got? I mean, do you think? Uh, do you think she thought Pearl was gonna be hot? I think she's the executive mm. who signed Pearl. Oh, that ruined. That's why maybe she got demoted. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, who's hot? Pearl's hot. Pearl's Is hot. Pearl hot? Pearl's not. We got to, we're going to give her a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try it out. We'll let her record yep. one record. Mm-hmm. See how it goes. Should we, should we press like a, a billion copies <laughs> so that she can just hand them out for free when she plays at the club? Yep. Now, I'm going to go, first of all, I'm going to say one thing. Um, during that, uh, Buster Point Dexter was walking past and he was like, who's hot? Pearl's hot. This is something. I can work with this. <laughs> there's, there's something here. Uh, but I was, I was going the other way where they uh, all let me play. Ask some people in the party. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. <laughs> they come to the party knowing what they got. Um, and he's just like, let me. A pompadour? I think a pompadour. Um, <laughs> so, um, no. What I was, I was thinking the opposite. That basically, like, imagine they're like a long table, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they play the Pearl single, and they're like, "We think this, this is going to be a big. Like, we're really excited about this one." And they're, and then they just look at Joan, and she just gives them just the thumbs yeah. down, and that's it. <laughs> Pearl's, Pearl's fate is sealed Ooh. forever. By that, by that one listen. They're like, all right, if if that's what she says, she knows what's hot and, and who's not. Pearl's done. That's it. She's and, gonna be playing that Pearl that goes, sad little club. Pearl goes, isn't she just your secretary? <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> oh, she this runs song this is place. from the song's from the perspective of Pearl, where she's like, she's just a secretary. <laughs> she's just a secretary. <laughs> she's just a secretary. Why is she ruining my career? And then exactly. the ironic part is, years later. Uh, when Joan realizes that she always wakes up alone, she goes to the nightclub that Pearl's singing at mm-hmm. to sing for the lost and the lonely. <gasps> oh, oh, that's good. 
and then good. and Joan's sitting there all sad and and teary, and she's like, you know what? I'm glad I didn't sign you. Right. <laughs> That's right. She's in the back. You suck. Or Pearl's just sitting <laughs> uh, there, like singing songs about lonely people and just staring at her and pointing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talking to you, Joan. You ruined my career. Uh, hope you're happy with yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think she she runs the place? Do you think Joan was the one who had the tight leash on the deadline for for uh, Deep Purple? They had to get that album done. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Hey, I our think recording so. studio's on fire. We need this album. <laughs> we need it like, now. tomorrow. This recording I... recording studio's on, on fire. I know. I'm at every studio. Right. I'm, right I'm at the now. studio right now. It's on Look, fire. Am I going to leave? Yeah, I'll be the last one out because I'm yeah. also fire marshal for this studio. So <laughs> Look, I have to do I was the first one here. Sure I was the first here. one to light off the flares. <laughs> right. You're gonna you're gonna get Mick Jagger's mobile recording studio. Well, uh, Joan, how are we gonna find him? He's laying here next to me. We we just left together, and I'm gonna tell him. It's fine. It's it's all fine. It's all gonna work out. But I need guys. I need that album. I need it on my desk by Friday. Joan, okay? are you sure you don't want to be vice president of artists? Uh, no, I'm fine with no, being a secretary. Thank you. I'm just much. a secretary. I'm just a secretary. I'm just a secretary. And then then the conversation with Deep Purple was like. Well, the record label's okay with us delaying the release, but the secretary right. <laughs> was real not... anxious for this album, so yeah, <laughs> you guys have got to so. get back to work. The secretary's yelling at us. Oh, wait, if she knows what's hot, right? Mm-hmm. She, know- she knows it's going to work, and she knows that Deep Purple, they're missing a hit song on that album. Did she burn that, that- down that casino? <laughs> do, you, no way. do you think she was like I'll show you what's happened she dropped the match well no I was just saying she just knew they were going to write that song yeah. Yeah. she's like I burned down this casino they're going to write that song yeah yeah and she, she said and I, just, just, I think you guys just need a little push what it's, it's no big deal just Joan sneaking away with a flare gun <laughs> Joan starts the fire and then as they're watching the place burn she she stands behind them she just whispers hey hey, look there's smoke on the water hey yeah look at that there's smoke guys I think this would make a really good song doesn't that look like fire in the sky <laughs> <laughs> just, just whispers one lyric to each of them individually <laughs> they'll think they came up with it um, and then for the verse you know just just write everything that's happening as it's happening mm-hmm. right I mean we got we got we got some failed musicians here I think she gave the thumbs down to Sultans of Swing that's mm, why they're that's yeah. why they're stuck I was gonna say there yeah, who what uh, what who, who did she pass on? <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, maybe her wait. Maybe her name isn't Joan. Okay. Maybe it's Maggie. Maybe okay. she's the older woman. Oh, Maggie well May. maybe okay. yeah, maybe okay. She's Maggie May. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, all right, do you not like Joan? I mean, <laughs> okay, hear me out. Could have said something when we started. <laughs> Maybe it's Maggie May. Maybe it's Maggie May. Could be so Maggie May. She so knows, she can't get she, rid of him. Maggie May, Maggie May. Uh she know well, well that's a, she she knows that Rod's gonna be hot. Yeah. That's the thing. Um yeah, I like that. Or you know what her name could sense. be. What? Maria. As oh, in take a letter. Maria. Oh, mm, sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe sure, sure, one of the sure. men who wants to marry her is her boss whose wife was cheating on him and she she's she he gets there late at night and 
And he's like, "Oh, you're you're still here?" And she's like, "Yeah, I, I get here first and I leave last." So that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And we don't have any idea what kind of business they do there, right? So I yeah. mean, that, it could be it could be a recording. Oh, and take studio. a letter, Maria. No, we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I like that. It yeah, works. her name's Maria. It works. Maria, and some people call her Maggie, but mm. yeah, but she goes by her middle name, enough. which is Joan. <laughs> there you go. It's all working out. It's all meshing. It's all meshing. Perfect. It always good. All right. And, Let's take- and some people call her Angie, baby. You know, it's fine. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a lot of names. A lot of names. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the history of this song with Story Man's Story. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, guys, there's no question that the last few years have been a bit rough. Maybe you're feeling scared or anxious or confused, and you just need someone to talk to. Heck, it would be weirder if you didn't. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, or you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to see anyone if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really all about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And as a special offer to StorySong Podcast listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash story song, all one word. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash story song. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, hey guys, we're back. It's time for story behind the story. But before we do that, 
We have another five star review. Yeah. Apple Podcast. You guys. Thank this you. This one is from someone named Frustrated, comma, Disappointed. Hopefully that, that has nothing to do with us. us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's from Society of Today. <laughs> um and uh F comma D, as I like to call sure. this person for short. <laughs> Uh, Give us five stars and says, you slayed the dragon, exclamation point. Rachel, Dan, Michael, you guys received your knighthood on the Maggie May episode, exclamation point. Grew up with this song, never would have guessed Rod Stewart was actually singing about Arrested Development, two exclamation points. Mm -hmm. Loved it, one exclamation point. Uh, Thank you, F comedy. Thank you, FD. Um, Thank you. Wonderful. I don't think we've ever had a review that was so re- closely referencing a uh, a recent episode. So. Yeah. So yeah. That's thank exciting. you for that. Um, hey, if uh, you out there would like to have your review right on the show, you know what to do. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave reviews, and we will read it on the show. Okay. Uh, we know she loves to hear the music, but does she love to hear the backstory? Let's find out. Um, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> tell us the story behind the story for She Loves to Hear the Music by Peter Allen. Go. So as we said, She Loves to Hear the Music was um, recorded by Peter Allen, um, written by Peter Allen and Carol Bear Sager. Um, where did this song chart? Mm-hmm. Where? The answer is, yeah. Like what number? Oh, uh, I don't know. It didn't. 24. Oh, um, <laughs> that's your question, you jerk. It wasn't released as a single, but um, it has become sort of a, a, a it was a fan favorite and a, mm-hmm. a song that he would do in concert a lot. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Peter Allen. Um, and again, we're going to focus on his career um, and there's a lot to say about him, but we're going to kind of try and keep this focused as we tend to do um sure we do whether or okay. not we no we, we try to keep it focused <laughs> oh we don't succeed very rarely um so peter allen was born peter richard Wilno on february 10th 1944 in tenerfield new south wales australia mm-hmm. um if you're interested in learning about his childhood uh you could listen to a song tenerfield saddler that is all about his family growing up um and his father and his grandfather. As a child, he taught himself to play piano, and by the age of 11, he was playing piano at a hotel in Armadale, where the family lived until he was about 14. Uh, Being paid? What? Being paid? Like, did his parents, did his family put him out to work at 11? Well. Start earning your keep, preteen. I guess, I don't know. I I mean, mean, it was was a different era. Yeah, and it's Australia. (laughs) What else? What else are you going to do out there? Yeah. As part of my research, I didn't find pay stubs, but he was <laughs> oh, working in a hotel, God. so. You didn't get his tax returns? Um, <laughs> Come on. I expect them posted on the cork board. <laughs> <laughs> How does one teach oneself to play piano? That seems like circular. This is a thing that comes up all the time. People always say, it just seems circular to me. How would you? How would you even begin? How would you know what to do with a piano? I mean, I'll say this. I, Peter Allen, having watched Peter Allen videos and stuff, I mean, he's he's he seemed like an innate talent. 
So yeah. some people just have that and can pick it up. Um, yeah. Not me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's some people are just musical geniuses and it comes naturally to them and they can figure it out. You know what? I'm wondering now, should I have just gone to a music store and just picked up every instrument and just mm-hmm. maybe I was like a natural talent on something and did not know? Like, I just I just was like, I was like, oh, nope. surprisingly, the it? trombone. Yeah. It was knew? the trombone, though. I just I just <laughs> taught myself how to play it just now. Crazy. Uh, you guys, yeah. I'm, I'm doing pretty great at the triangle. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm killing it with the piccolo. Turns out um, washboard is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, but that's her washing clothes. Uh, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she she whistles while she does that. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly. pretty musical. Oh, so maybe whistling is my thing. That's it. That's yeah. it. Whistling. Yeah, yeah. I meant I said washboard. I meant whistling. And yet you paid the guy at the music store five hundred dollars. <laughs> it's a good. Seems washboard. like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. This guy taught himself to play piano age eleven. I can't figure out my printer. No. no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, (laughs) So um, at the age of 15, he met um, Chris Bell, who was a guitarist and singer, and they began working together. At the suggestion of Chris Bell's father, they formed a brother act, um, which apparently was kind of a fun thing to do at the time. They were inspired by the Everly Brothers, um, and he named them the Allen Brothers. Oh. To be clear, they were not brothers. (laughs) And neither of their last names was Alan. Okay. So here we are. Yeah. Um, they began working together in 1959 in nightclubs in and around the town of Surfer's Paradise, which um, it's a pretty Australia. great name for a town in the 50s. <laughs> I mean, Australia just just throws words together and says, this is our town <laughs> name. Like, come on. The funny thing about Surfer's Paradise is that it's landlocked and yeah. uh, it's usually pretty frozen. Yeah. It just snows yeah. all the time. And the only thing that happens to surfers there is they get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so when uh when they named the town, they were like, What's the most ironic name we could possibly yeah. think of? Um and they all had get a good it. laugh. Yeah, yeah. And then a bunch of people came there to surf and they were really disappointed and they were like, We should rethink this. Every town in Australia is named, is named by surly teens. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh, what is this called? Surfer's Paradise. Peace ah. out. Put it in the records. And then like, well, actually, actually, I don't think we should call that. What'd you say to me? You know what? It's fine. Forget it. Surfer's wow, I'm really being terrorized by these teens. <laughs> like messing up our town naming. Oh, uh, forget it. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go move to Seth's a dork. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, man. That's not cool. <laughs> That's me, Seth. <laughs> It was a good Seth impression. Thank you. Well, I've been working on it. <laughs> uh, I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hoping it gets me on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this Seth? Who's Seth? I don't know. Some guy. Just trust me. It sounds just like him. <laughs> he lives in Surfer's Paradise. It, it all makes sense. <laughs> he's, and he's a huge dork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you listen to Peter Allen, you'd figure it out. <laughs> uh, does Seth love to hear the music? He actually mm. doesn't. No. No reason. Where are they? Um, but it's all about the irony. Uh, so they moved to Sydney in 1960, uh, the Allen brothers, and were discovered by Brian Henderson, who is the host of Bandstand, um, which was 
very much like a, an American bandstand, like sure. that kind of hullabaloo, shindig kind of mm-hmm. 60s sure. teen dance and popular right. music kind of show. Got it. Which, when I describe it like that, sounds super cool. Um, and they began making regular appearances on bandstand. Uh, they released several singles throughout the 60s and had a few hits in Australia. In the early 60s, they worked at a Sydney nightclub as the opening act for American singer Francis Fay. Uh, Peter Allen explained in a 1979 interview with uh, journalist Bill Boggs that at the time he was doing two daytime performances of a children's theater production of Alice in Wonderland and then three evening performances with Francis Fay. Busy day. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was putting in his time. Yeah. His 10,000 hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is each show was 2,000 hours. So, like, by the end of the weekend, <laughs> he, he was had, set. Yeah, he had his 10,000 yeah. hours. So, the Allen brothers booked a tour of Asia. And in 1964, um, while they were performing at the Hilton in Hong Kong, they met um, indie recording artist and B picture actress Judy Garland. <laughs> Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Um, <laughs> Judy uh, brought the Allen brothers to London, where they opened for her, and they moved uh, to New York and toured with Judy in North America. Peter met her daughter, who is named... Lorna Luft. Mm -hmm. Yep, he met Lorna Luft. Nope, he met Liza Minnelli, uh, and the two were married in March of 1967. After about three years, they separated and divorced in 1974. Um, In 1970, um, at around the time that... Peter and Liza broke up. The Allen brothers also broke up with Chris leaving the music business altogether. Mm. Oh, Chris. I mean, I think he's doing fine, but... Okay. So all of this was preamble, and this is kind of where we get to Peter Allen um, and his career as a solo artist. Mm -hmm. So in the early 70s, he began writing music and was signed to Metro Media Records. Um... Here's some interesting fun things. Metro Media was a media company that owned TV and radio stations and eventually got into records and films. Um, it was established in the 1950s by acquiring former Dumont television stations. Oh. None of this is important, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the record label was shut down in the mid-70s, and Peter Allen eventually signed with A&M. Do, do, can I ask you, can I just ask a question? Sure. I'm, I'm going to pull the audience, even though I can't hear them. Because we just throw out, well, we just throw out things like the Dumont Network. Like anyone but us three nerds knows what on earth we're talking about. <laughs> so, like, we, we assume everyone wait, knows what the Dumont Network is. Wait, I yeah. don't think I know what the Dumont Network is. I was thinking the Dupont Network. That's okay. Not a thing. I don't know what the Dupont Network is. Dumont, the Dumont Network, they were, so you know, you know those like ABC, NBC. CBS. That's Dumont? There was, there, no, there was a Dumont network. Dumont network is the only major like television network that ever failed. It went out oh. of business. It existed alongside ABC, NBC, and CBS back gotcha. in the 50s, and it just flat out went out of business. Gotcha. And so, and then, in fact, they took all the shows that Dumont network and they like threw them in the garbage. It's all gone. Okay. okay there's only like little scraps left. So, so I yeah, so I was thinking Dumont, but in my head it was Dupont, like the Dupont it's not, network. Those, but it's those, Dumont. Those things are yeah, those They're things are the not same. the same. Got Dupont it. and Dumont are not the same. Okay, thank and, you. Um, Jackie so anyway. Gleason was originally on Dumont. 
And right. I thought it was the DuPont network. Okay, we're talking about the same thing. I just Right. right. <laughs> but but yeah. but but so as Michael was saying, like so once it went out of business, they were like they owned stations though that were now orphaned. So these people came in and snatched them up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's and continue. I I believe that there's uh still a DuPont building in New York City where the studios used to be. I mean, I that makes sense. That's the DuPont yeah. building. <laughs> so while he was at Metromedia, formerly DuMont. Um, he met legendary songwriter Carol Bayer Sager, and uh, she would become an important collaborator for Peter Allen. Um, a little bit about Carol Bayer Sager. If you don't know who she is, yes, you do. <laughs> she was born March 8th, 1947 in New York City. She's a 1987 inductee in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and she was the recipient of their highest honor, the Johnny Mercer Award, in 2019. <laughs> Um, in 1965, while she was still in high school, which was the High School of Music and Art in New York City, she wrote the song A Groovy Kind of Love, <gasps> which was a hit for the Mindbenders. Uh, in 1988, a cover of that song yeah. would be a worldwide hit for Phil Collins. Yes. And the original version, I think, went to number two. So it was... The original version is great. It's, it's really great. The Phil Collins version is great, too. It was huge. Mm. That song was huge. That song was huge in 88. Huge. Still is. It yeah. was huge. It was huge. So, yeah. So she was in high school when she wrote that. She was also married for, um, from 1982 to 1991 to Burt Bacharach. And the two collaborated on several what? songs together. I brought up Burt Bacharach as a joke. I had no idea. That was a total <laughs> coincidence. No joke. Wow. That's crazy. Some, some, just some of the notable songs for which Carol Bayer Sager is credited as a songwriter include, and again, she, she is, she's collaborated with people on these songs. So I'm just uh -huh. listing the songs. She is one of the writers. There are yeah. collaborators on these. Mm -hmm. um, so she is credited as a songwriter on Midnight Blue by Melissa Manchester. That's What Friends Are For uh, by Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, Stevie Wonder, and Elton mm -hmm. John. Uh, the Prayer by Celine Dion, Andrea Bocelli. Um, we Were Made for Each Other by The Monkees. Heartlight by Neil Diamond. Yeah. When I Need You by yeah. Leah Sayre. Um, on My Own by Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald. Uh, sure. You're the Only One and Heartbreaker by Dolly Parton. Uh, Through the Eyes of Love, the theme from Ice Castle yes. by Melissa Manchester. <laughs> it's a great song. Yes. And Nobody Does It Better, the Academy Award-nominated song from The Spy Who Loved Me by Carly Simon. Wow. That's a good one. That's so, you know, minor hits. Let me ask you, is she like the Bruce Valanche of songwriters? <laughs> like, do they bring her in as a ringer? Oh, I thought you were going to say, do they bring her into the Hollywood squares? No, like Bruce Valanche, the, the joke is always that, like, if for, sure. for, like, you know, award shows and stuff, comedians always call on Bruce Valanche to kick it up. <laughs> is that her? Like, because she does a lot of these as collaborations. She does. I don't know. I don't know that they bring her in like as a, a song fixer necessarily. I yeah. think she's just, she does a lot of collaborations. She works with a lot of people and like almost like a, um, like a Diane Warren kind of yeah. thing. She just yeah. happens to be like 
prolific Rachel, and, and Rachel. Some people right. they just like the, they like the back and forth. They like the give and sure. take. Sure, yeah. you know she likes to mix it up. Not me, all. not me. I'd prefer to be on no. my own for all the things I do. If I had like two ho- if I had two co-hosts for everything, uh, I would. Yeah, yeah. Just be exhausting. Every moment of it. Speaking of on my own, that's a and, song that she wrote for Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald. Yeah, a little more about uh, Carol Bayer Sager. She also has composed for the stage with Marvin Hamlish and Neil Simon. She wrote the Broadway musical They're Playing Our Song, which starred Lucy Arnaz and Robert Klein. After 11 previews, it opened on Broadway at the Imperial Theater on February 9th, 1979, and ran for 1,082 performances, closing on September 6th, 1981, and it received four Tony nominations. If anybody wants a little bit of Broadway trivia for my fellow theater nerds, this has nothing to do with Carol Bear-Sager, but it's a fun trivia fact. <laughs> um, this show was the Broadway debut for Lucy Arnaz and, in 1979, and 40 years earlier, in 1939, her father, Desi Arnaz, made his Broadway debut in Too Many Girls, also at the Imperial. I love oh. that. It's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a lot of that in this episode. Um... So the most important thing to know about Carol Bayer Sager is in 19, 1994, mm-hmm. she was nominated for an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, and a 1995 Grammy Award for Best Original Song from a Film for the song The Day I Fall in Love from <laughs> Beethoven's Second. There it is. There it is. <laughs> the best song from the best movie that's ever been. Yep. We did it. Um, that song, uh, as we mentioned in a previous episode... This is, by the way, the second time we're talking about Beethoven second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the song was performed by Dolly Parton and James Ingram. Yeah. Man, oh, man. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Really I is. I mean, it's really the dark horse candidate <laughs> for the thing that inexplicably keeps coming up. Yeah. Yep. What was, oh, again, it was the, the Janet Jackson again episode that we yeah. talked about it because they were both nominated for the Academy Award that's that right. year. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I don't Just remember which one won. Or what song? We talked about Charles Grodin for an inexplicable amount of time in (laughs) that episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, uh, great movie. Anyway, he Peter Allen. We're back to Peter Allen now. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Released two albums with Metro Media. Peter Allen, name of the album, in 1971, and Tenorfield Sadler in 1972. She loves to hear the music is from his fourth studio album and the second one he released on the A and M label. The album's called Taught by Experts, and it was released on December 10th, 1976. Uh, the album went to number 11 in Australia, where it was certified gold. So when he says taught by experts, is yep. that a sly reference to the fact that he taught himself how to play piano? Ooh. Oh, I don't know, but I think that would be really cool. <laughs> That'd be great. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that. By an expert. An expert called Peter <laughs> Allen. How about that? <laughs> Hey, you, playing the washboard. I taught myself. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you playing the washboard. I, myself. <laughs> I, need, I need my socks by, t- by uh, 3 o'clock. <laughs> How are you doing with that triangle? I taught myself the piano. <laughs> so as I said, although She Loves to Hear the Music was not released as a single, it was a fan favorite. He performed it a lot in concert and on TV appearances. And this album was kind of a breakthrough album for Peter Allen. It included his best-known songs, um, or some of his best-known songs, Mm -hmm. uh, The More I See You, Quiet Please, There's a Lady on Stage, and I Go to Rio. Mm -hmm. I Go to Rio went to number one in Australia and became one of his most popular songs. 
Quiet Please, There's a Lady on Stage was Peter Allen's tribute to his ex-mother-in-law, Judy Garland. It was notably covered by Dusty Springfield, who sang it in live performances. Uh, that version is amazing. And another fun fact in that song, uh, it, the song includes the lyric, put your hands together and help her along. Let's just stay here all night and let's sing every song, which is a reference to uh, Judy Garland's 1961 live album and live concert appearance, Judy at Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a moment of interaction with the audience uh, where they're, basically like shouting like songs that they want to hear yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> the way you would shout at a dj like and he's like i don't take requests um but like there there's just like this the whole thing is just like the audience like madly in love with this woman on stage and as they're like like saying like songs that they want her to sing uh and shouting requests she replies i know i'll sing them all and we'll stay all night and they go nuts <laughs> so it was great um Anyway, so Peter Allen had uh, an interesting career. In the U.S., he had some chart success uh, on the Billboard 200 album chart. Um, The album Bicoastal peaked at number 123 and also reached number 79 on the dance chart. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not the Boy Next Door peaked at 170 and I Could Have Been a Sailor peaked at 171. On the Billboard Adult Contemporary Singles chart, you Haven't Heard the Last of Me peaked at number 15. Once Before I Go peaked at number 26. The More I See You peaked at number 38. Fly Away peaked at 45. And You and Me, We Wanted It All peaked at number 41. Mm-hmm. But most of his success was as a live performer and a songwriter. His songs have been covered by countless artists, including Anne Murray, Wayne Newton, Debbie Gibson, Dusty Springfield, Julie Andrews, Patti LaBelle, Peggy Lee, Barbara Cook, Johnny Mathis, Cher, and Frank Sinatra. He wrote several hits for other artists, most notably um, I'd Rather Leave While I'm in Love by Rita Coolidge in 1979, which peaked at number 38 on the Hot 100 and number 3 on the Adult Contemporary Chart. Uh, Don't Cry Out Loud by Melissa Manchester in October 1978, which peaked at number 10 on the Hot 100 number nine on the adult contemporary chart, number nine in Canada, and number two on the Canada adult contemporary chart. Don't Cry Out Loud was also, well, it was a huge hit in the U.S. and Canada, so North America, uh, in October 1978 for Melissa Manchester. In the U.K., it was a huge hit in 1978 for Elkie Brooks. It went to number 12. Hmm. Does anyone know why this is important to the Story Song podcast? Because Elkie Brooks is important. Mm-hmm. Elkie she, Brooks, who you might remember as the yeah, artist who performed a, Pearl's a singer. Uh, Pearl's a singer. Yep. Yeah. So we're big Elkie Brooks fans here. And probably his biggest hit as a songwriter was I Honestly Love You by Olivia Newton John in 1974. That song went to number one on the Hot 100 number one on the adult contemporary charts, number six on the country charts, number 22 in the UK, number one in Canada, number one on the Canada adult contemporary chart, and number one in Australia. Oof. In fact, I, I saw an interview uh, with Peter Allen, and uh, he was talking about his uh, latest album at the time. I think it was the I Could Have Been a Sailor album. Uh-huh. Um, the album cover is just him standing in front of a giant window I think you could see the piano and like out the window is just the ocean. 
It's like this, yeah. like clearly in like a real nice house. And the interviewer like kind of jokingly was like, so Peter Allen's sitting at the piano during this interview and the interviewer kind of jokingly is like, so what song got you that house? And he just starts playing. I honestly love you. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He knows that was a big uh, one. Yeah. Um, so also as a songwriter in 1982, Peter Allen won the Academy Award for Music, Original Song, for co-writing the song Arthur's Theme, The Best That You Can Do, from the film Arthur. Mm. The award was shared with co-writers Burt Bacharach, Carol Bearsager, and Christopher Cross. I, I was going to say, he didn't sing that, did he? No, Christopher Cross No, sang Christopher it. Cross did. Famously no, sang it. Yeah. How, how, how dare you? I know, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize to you two, as well as Mr. Cross. The backstory of Arthur's Theme is kind of interesting. So according to Carol Bearsager's memoir, also entitled They're Playing Our Song, um, she and Burt Bacharach were working on a song for Arthur, and this was, um, I think shortly after they were married. Mm -hmm. Um, and as they were writing it, I think they were watching a scene from the movie. Uh, she kept thinking of a lyric from a song that she had worked on earlier with Peter Allen called The Moon in New York City. Hmm. So the story goes that Peter Allen was flying into New York from Los Angeles and had to circle the airport before landing a couple of times. And he wrote down the line, when you get caught between the moon and New York City, you might as well fall in love. <laughs> you think he said that to his seatmate? He was like, yeah, we're really caught between the moon and New York City, huh? Yeah. Give me that paper over there. He was just like, like, enough. I don't, I, I can't right now. <laughs> the, the seatmate was just like, buddy, I'm going to miss my train. <laughs> and they already put away the drink cart. So... Uh, that song, the original song, The Moon in New York City, um, the two of them wrote together and they didn't think it was very good, so they didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. As uh, she and Burt Bacharach were writing the song for Arthur, she mentioned the lyric to Burt Bacharach and that inspired the melody. Um, so Carol Bearsager calls Peter Allen for permission to use the lyrics and said, asked him if he wanted to go and meet with them and help write the rest of the song. He said yes, but he couldn't get there for a week. And she was like, cool, see you in a week. Um, so in that time, Burt Bacharach, Carol Bearsager had finished the first verse. So it turns out the studio wanted Christopher Cross to sing the song in the movie. Um, I, I think this was at around the time of his first album where Christopher Cross was doing great. Uh, they played the work in progress for him. Um, the song wasn't finished, and eventually Carol Bayer Sager and Christopher Cross wrote the second verse. And the song was finished before Peter Allen could get there. <laughs> so according to Carol Bayer Sager's memoir, Burt Bacharach was a little bit resentful that Peter Allen was credited as a songwriter since it wasn't a proper collaboration. Again, this is before the days of Zoom meetings. <laughs> <laughs> So she said she disagreed since he was the co-writer of the song that inspired it. Yeah. And he wrote the opening line of the chorus, which is the most memorable line of the song. Mm -hmm. So you have confirmed what I have always suspected. And this is, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I know exactly I could, what you're going to say. Yep. I suppose I could have looked it up on my own. Uh, this is not like anyone was hiding this information. On my own. That's a song that Carol Bearsager wrote. Um, but I've always assumed that the song 
Arthur's theme uh, was written. Oh, well, obviously this is not exactly true, but I always assumed the song was written, and then they were like, "Oh wait, you got to talk about the movie because <laughs> that second verse comes out of nowhere." Yeah, there yeah. is just a normal. 80s love ballad and then when they say Arthur he does as he pleases it cracks me up every time it gets me it is so clearly like what they want to talk about the movie I, I've only saw the first third okay whatever uh, Arthur he does as he pleases like it just has nothing to do with anything and again is clearly all like it's it's clearly written by somebody who only saw the first third of the movie because it, like it's it's only talks about the beginning it is so funny and does not connect to the rest of the song at all i love everything about it it's my favorite that's all <laughs> well originally there was before they'd seen any of the movie there was another verse it was dudley more lies and manelli <laughs> well the thing is the, the other thing is like if you had if you didn't know that that song was from the movie Arthur, how confused would you be? Yeah. When out of nowhere, it's just to tell you about this guy named Arthur. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> I I mean I think that's why they call they had to call it Arthur's theme because right. they oh, were yeah. like uh there's a whole verse about this guy named Arthur and if you just hear it on the radio, um it's going to make no sense. Yeah. So that was Peter Allen's, you know, Academy Award. Um sure. He was twice nominated for the Song of the Year Grammy Award, once for Arthur's Theme, mm -hmm. The Best That You Can Do, in 1982. He lost that award to Donna Weiss and Jackie DeShannon for Betty Davis Eyes, performed by Kim Carnes, yeah. and was nominated alongside Just the Two of Us, Endless Love, and Nine to Five. Good year. Yeah, good year, and big year good for year. movie songs. Yeah. So, uh, as a live performer, Peter Allen was known for high-energy stage performances, um, theatrical stage performances. In 1980, uh, sorry, in 1979, he had a one-man Broadway show called Up in One, a concert that played five previews and 46 regular performances at the Biltmore Theater. It was mm. a limited run. Also on Broadway, uh, between late 1988 and <laughs> early 1989, he starred in Legs Diamond, a musical for which he wrote the score with a book that was co-written um, by Harvey Firestein. The show ran for 72 previews and 60, 64 performances at the Mark Hellinger Theater. Now, I did not see that show, but do I have two playbills of it? I sure do. <laughs> I sure Why do. Why not? Here's some more fun Broadway trivia for my fellow theater nerds. Mm -hmm. Legs Diamond was the last show to play at the Mark Hellinger Theater before it was sold and became the Times Square Church. That theater featured the original Broadway productions of My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Fade Out, Fade In, starring Carol Burnett, Jesus Christ Superstar, Man of La Mancha, and of course Merlin, starring Doug Henning. And now it's where a bunch of Scientologists hang out? I don't know. Is it it's the a Scientologist it's, church or is it a regular church? I don't know. It's just Times oh. Square Church. Um, but the, the like the it still looks like the theater. A theater. Yeah. Yeah. So he toured extensively, including a 1989 tour with Bernadette Peters and sold out runs at Carnegie Hall and Radio City Music Hall. And I actually uh, spoke to a friend of mine who who actually introduced me to a lot of Peter Allen's music mm -hmm. um, and who saw him perform countless times uh, at, in concert at Carnegie Hall, Radio City, Town Hall. 
And she kind of confirmed for me, um, <laughs> basically everything that you read about him as a live performer, that he's yeah. just like this amazing high energy theatrical live performer. Um, she told me that at Radio City, he danced with the Rockettes. He was, I think, the first male performer to do so um, and entered the stage riding a camel before singing I Go to Rio. Oh, with a camel toe. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you ever see any of, his, any of his stuff, by the end of his shows, he's just drenched in sweat. It's crazy. There's that a really famous, um, what's the one... Uh, uh, like it's like now here's Peter. Uh, it is time for Peter Allen is like one of I think his more famous live albums. It's got like the really cool. Co- it's got a really cool cover where it's just like him. Like I can't I can't describe it, but it's really oh, cool. it like the the red, the red. Like, and it's like, yeah, 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 almost like he's in motion. Um, yeah. But even in that, like you can feel the the energy that he had and the energy that the audience like f- fed off of. He was clearly yeah. a showman and a, and a performer in that, yeah. in that way. Definitely. And, oh, good. You're going to say it later. No, no, no. I was going to no, say, wasn't. and it makes sense that, um, that Hugh Jackman later played him. Yeah. 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 So he released his final album in 1990 and gave his last performance on, in January, 1992 in Sydney. He passed away in June of 1992 at the age of 48 uh, of age-related illness. Yeah, yeah. really sad. Um, yeah, uh, very young um, and an amazing performer that was lost far too soon. In 1996, author Stephen McLean wrote a biography of Peter Allen called Peter Allen, The Boy from Oz. It was adapted into a documentary and then a stage musical, mm-hmm. the original Australian production of The Boy From Oz opened in 1998 and ran for two years. The Broadway production of The Boy From Oz opened at the Imperial Theater on, uh, again, the Imperial. Yeah. Wow. Um, it opened on October 16th, 2003, after 32 previews. Uh, it starred Hugh Jackman um, as Peter Allen and ran for 364 performances. The production received three Drama Desk Award nominations with wins for Isabel Keating as Judy Garland and Hugh Jackman as Peter Allen and four Tony Award nominations with a win for Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, like Hugh Jackman completely captured Peter Allen's spirit right. in that performance. Like it was. Yeah, it seemed like he was. I mean, it was like a, it was a tribute. I mean, Peter Allen is a, is a huge like kind of like Australian icon. You know, yeah. and so and Hugh Jackman being Australian, uh, you know, I'm sure grew up with his music and, and knew his music. And y- yeah, wh- I mean, um, you know, Michael and I saw it uh, and, you know, he just completely embodied the energy of Peter Allen. And what's kind of interesting is the score of the show is um, is Peter Allen's music. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he as he was writing these songs, he was consciously or maybe unconsciously like writing or any writer does writes, um, writes the stuff that he knows. And, and right. some of it's kind of autobiographical. Um, and you kind of realize like one, as he was, the songs that he wrote were very theatrical um, and perfect for the Broadway stage. Like even yeah. the uh, piano intro for she loves to hear the music feels like a Broadway song. Mm-hmm. And he he's he's almost the songs that he wrote were 
fit very naturally on the stage. And it was almost as if he was writing his own musical. Right. Like yeah. in the pop songs that he was writing. Yeah. So that's pretty much it on Peter Allen and She Loves to Hear the Music. Uh, his songs are still heard and still recorded. Still remains a respected songwriter and showman. And um, he had an unconventional but very successful and lasting career. Mm -hmm. And he's one of those artists that despite not having a lot of chart success, was really successful and was selling yeah. out uh, giant concert halls and mm -hmm. was well known as a writer, as a performer. Um, yeah. And just uh, and as a showman. Yeah. Yep. Not the greatest showman. That's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> that's uh, that's Hugh Jackman. That's Hugh Jackman, but yeah. <laughs> cool. So, All right. Yeah. So uh Beethoven two. That's what I got. Out of that. <laughs> um, yep. mm -hmm. How is this song related to Beethoven second? <laughs> <laughs> we found out <laughs> uh, alright well Michael thank you so much for that that was fantastic uh, we take a quick break when we come back we'll talk about the lesson we learned from this song with Lessons Learned Friends Help Friends Find the Story Song Podcast and you can help your friends find the show by leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll read the best reviews on the show. And then you'll be famous. And you won't have to be nice to your friends anymore. All right, we're back. Mm -hmm. Time for lessons learned. What lesson did we learn for this song? Michael, let's start with you. What lesson did you learn from She Loves to Hear the Music? I learned... Um particularly in these days of working remote and um, sure. Zoom meetings and stuff, um, if you can't make it to the actual studio, mm -hmm. it's fine just to go to the studio in your mind. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, sure. Just, you know, hear the music in your head. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, you may or may not actually work in a recording studio, but you could think that you do. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the most yeah. important part. Yeah. Yeah. And if you actually yeah. work in, in a recording studio, you could just, you know, lock people in a radio. So, yeah, it's a win-win. I tried to tell my boss that I was going to the status update meeting in my mind, mm -hmm. but he didn't. Didn't work uh, out. He, he, he wanted me to get it. <laughs> uh, See, work, I, but... I sent an email in my mind telling my boss that oh. I was going to do that. And uh, like, okay. what? that's not a thing. I was like, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In in this age of Zoom meetings, I think an email in my mind is pretty legitimate. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, here's what I learned. Mm -hmm. If you are like a low level lord in the Middle Ages, right? <laughs> sure. You okay. you really need to have your daughters marry well, right? To consolidate power. Yeah. To get to get, get land. Some land. Yeah. Right. Make alliances through marriages. Right. That's just the way society is built. Sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you find it morally repugnant. But what are you going to do? Again, you are like a low to mid level lord in the Middle Ages. You, you're going to have to play by the rules. Yeah. Do not let your daughters hear Mac the Knife because <laughs> <laughs> then they will not get married. No. 
No. Man, you're you're in a lot of trouble, That's my it. friend. You got no more gonna, land. You're all the other mid level lords are 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 making alliances, yeah. you know, coalescing power and, and you're I mean you're ass out of luck is what is what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> yeah. keep your daughters away. From Mac the Knife. That's that's, right. that's pretty much all. I mean, I the that's, song that's, and the person the song is based on. Well, that is true. Both yes. of those things yeah, are going to go real bad for them. Yeah, or, I was, you know what? She's allowed to hear it after the wedding. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's going to gift. rethink getting married but then after, the minute the, she hears the Mac thing, the Knife. But Michael, once because again, I'm a I'm a mid level lord in in the Middle Ages. Right. So once she's married, it's her husband's <laughs> problem. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got nothing to do. I with got the that land at that point. Well, yeah, right. exactly. exactly. Yep, exactly. Jeez. The dowry has been delivered. <laughs> the contract was signed. She's on her own. I don't yep. really care. I'm pretty anymore. sure the contract says no take backs. So this <laughs> yeah, land yeah, is yeah. my land. No backsies. So, absolutely. Rachel, what did you learn? Uh, I learned to always, if you are in, if you're a musician, to always remember the last Wednesday in April which is Administrative Assistant Day, and make sure that <laughs> sure. you get something for the Administrative mm. Assistant in your life because that she may just be a secretary, but no. she could make or break you. Yeah. yeah. You have Absolutely. to keep her happy. She knows what's yeah, yeah. hot and what, is, and what is not, and she knows who yeah. will make it and who will not. So I'm saying some flowers and a card, maybe a little bear, those things could really go a long way. And in the card, just write, please do not lock me in the radio. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Or just write, nice ears. <laughs> <laughs> Your boss. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Story Song Podcast, but you knew that. Yeah. Um, if you could follow us on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we would certainly appreciate it. And if you give us a five-star review... Like F comma D did uh, on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Podchaser mm-hmm. or wherever you can leave reviews. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next episode with another great story song. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.